electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, to teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, Jim Kramer. Froth. Froth is such a bummer. It's the most disconcerting kind of sentiment, even as it can be mighty enjoyable when you're in it. House of pleasure. We hear that we've been up, say, for 14 of the last 15 weeks, and that has happened in more than 50 years. But no one thinks that's positive. The house of pain. Everyone thinks it's a bad sign. Over-enthusiasm. Too much exuberance. And I think that that's a big reason why the averages only pulled back today from some very strong footing. With the Dow advancing 126 points, that's be dipping 0.09%. NASDAQ declining 0.3%. We do know that there are individual signs of excess. Why don't I just tick some down that are, that are, I'd say, pretty glaring to me? Let's start with Arm Holdings, the semiconductor design company, which was at $70 just 10 days ago. Today it touched $164. I mean, they had a terrific quarter, but I say, give me a break. That has to be market orders coming in, not limit orders, which I like, but market orders. Kind of like what we saw in 1999 and 2000, no discipline and a lack of stock for sale because about 90 percent of the float is still locked up like 1999-2000. Now, the people who are buying ARM up here truly have no idea what they're doing. They aren't cheap. They just have no discipline. When you see that, it makes you feel like something is very, very awry and the bulls are running way too hard, even as the company is fantastic and profitable and terrific. Now, we got this other thing going. We got a parabolic rally in the NASDAQ. Meaning it's going straight up. And parabolic moves are never, ever sustainable. <laughs> Not rarely. Never. Our friend Carly Garner, who's made a ton of great calls of late, points out that we saw an almost identical pattern at the end of 2021. Ooh, soon after we were crushed, just pulverized. Of course, we may not repeat the pattern. Hey, maybe this will be the time when we defy every single red flag. But better not to see the red flags at all, isn't it? We know that some stocks have gotten to levels that no one thought possible. Exhibit A is longtime Kramer fave NVIDIA. Now, I've been operating on one assumption, one assumption that has just been so right. I own it, don't trade it. But this weekend, a bunch of my friends took me out for a terrific birthday dinner. NVIDIA came up. One of the couples discussed it, admitting that they expected to go back to 400. Maybe they could pick some up then. 
Well, now it's a 722. Oh, they were convivial about it, but I was asked, would I buy it here? My answer, own it, don't trade it, was not responsive. I just didn't want to say, go buy it. Now, you probably think that's a contradiction, right? If I say own it, don't sell it, then shouldn't I be saying buy it right here? In truth, what I'm really saying is that this latest rally feels unsustainable to me. And if I'm right, you'll get a better entry point. But when I read all the recent blogs and statements from Jensen Wong, the NVIDIA's Renaissance man CEO, where he says that things like every country needs an AI strategy, I can't disagree with owning it. I mean, don't you want to own a stock when you read a headline that says NVIDIA partners with India giants to advance AI and world's most populous nation? Or Canada partners with NVIDIA to supercharge computing power? Or how about AI to see major second wave? NVIDIA's CEO says in a fireside chat with Iliad Group execs. I mean, how can you say no to having NVIDIA in your portfolio when it practically owns the most important space in the world, the generative AI space. Think of it this way. All computers need to be made faster. Only NVIDIA and to a lesser extent AMD can actually make the big devices run fast enough to do generative AI. So how on earth can you stop this thing? Well, yet all I heard today was that NVIDIA is too hot, too frothy. I mean, I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? What do you do if you're on the sidelines with this one? Now, if you're waiting for a pullback, you're basically betting that NVIDIA has a weaker than expected quarter when it reports Feb 21. Something that'll give you a nice entry point. But if NVIDIA reports a weaker quarter than expected, who the heck will want to own it? See, that's the problem with kind of a parabolic move. It forces NVIDIA to continue to deliver incredibly robust numbers or else its stock will get derailed. What we really need is kind of a quiet period like we had last, last year when it did nothing but digest. So in the end, what I did was I punted. I said it was up to them. I mean, that's about as helpful as that muff punt from San Francisco in last night's big game. But I just didn't want to encourage anyone to buy the stock up here because my discipline says you have to wait until a parabolic move runs its course. And this one has not run its course yet. Then there's the, the, the tail of Diamondback Energy, simple fang. Here's an oil producer who just bought a private alpha called Endeavor Energy for $26 billion in stock and cash. Now, there have been a ton of deals in the oil patch, too many to name, including many stock-based transactions that have really hurt the stock of the acquirer. Not this one, though. Diamondback stock jumped 9.4% today. Sounds great, right? Not so fast. I think that this deal is no better than the other oil mergers, but nobody got excited for them. The fact that the acquirer stock went higher is to me a sign of animal spirits gone wild. Or how about the random rallies in stocks with no news whatsoever? I like Airbnb Frazier's. You know that. Probably its biggest backer. But here it is. Today up 4.2%. I don't feel vindicated. When a stock rallies on no news, I have to question whether things are going too far. I mean, that means it's pure momentum calling. At the same time, though, momentum can always last longer than you think. Oh, and when you have a big cap stock like Lowe's jumping 3.4% on a simple hold to buy upgrade, well, that's pretty darn foreign too. I was intended to do a piece on Lowe's for tonight's show. But as I watched the stock go higher, I said probably irresponsible to come in on top of that. Now, I've heard the endless comparisons to the dot-com era 25 years ago, the one that sent us in the wilderness for ages and ages and lost a generation of investors. I think my bonafides are pretty good here. My hedge fund had a bag up year in 2000 when the market was headed south, and I also created an internet company, TheStreet.com, which was part of the run-up. If you read Confessions of a Street Addict, my autobiography, you can tell that I knew the dot-coms were about to blow. There was huge, huge, huge insider selling every single day. Sell, 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 sell. And, and there was just, it was endless. And there would have been a lot more if it weren't for lockups. Like, remember what I mentioned with Arm? Most of the companies disappeared during the prolonged decline that followed, more than 300 of them. The vast, vast majority of the dot-coms had no earnings or even plans to have earnings. They were worthless pieces of paper masquerading as shares in real enterprises. That looks nothing like today, though. These days, the stocks that have been flying, they belong to companies that are ridiculously profitable. We just can't tell how to value them. Maybe they look expensive there, but what happens if they're just big as, 
you know, it's all get out in 2025 earnings. So where do I come out? I'm convinced that you can't end this move without a huge wave of selling, and that huge wave will not be created by the cautious and the prudent, the ones who quietly pulled out of this market already. It will bend, but it can't break with this level of skepticism. Things like the comeuppance of commercial real estate, if there really is one, won't kill it. A really terrible red-hot CPI tomorrow won't obliterate it. We're going to need to something go, something's got to go really awry, really wrong, to bring out enough sellers to knock stocks down and keep them down. Of course, history says it can happen, but... Well, the bottom line says without huge chunks of selling, we aren't going to have that decline. Too many people went in and haven't had the chance. Too few want to get out. Who wants to walk away from a hot head, a hot table, a hot dealer, and go buy that cashmere sweater I always talk about? Nobody, even when it's probably the responsible thing to do, at least for some of your cash. Let's go to Trey in Texas. Trey! Jim, thanks to your guidance, I made my final student loan payment today at 33 years old. Wow, that is fantastic. Thank you and congratulations. You're a good man. What's going on? Well, regrettably, I bought two nosebleed Taylor Swift tickets in late 2022 for $180,000, and I'll likely pay on those for the rest of my life. Yeah, you, pay, you might have overpaid those. Winner. Yes, sir. A Super Bowl champion of a stock is what I'm looking for, Jim. Does Darden Restaurants get a ring? I happen to like the, uh, the, the casual dining space. Believe it or not, I like Longhorn more than, uh, you know, Longhorn Steakhouse. I like that. I've been, you know, here's the problem with Darden. It is, uh, there are a lot of companies in that space. But I will say this, 3% yield, 18 times earnings. I think you'll make money, and that's what matters. I want to go to Glenn in my home state of New Jersey. Glenn. Hi, Jen. Thanks for taking my call. It's first time. First time. Maybe a long time. Yeah, first time. Yep. Yeah, I've been watching you a long time. You were actually a lot heavier back when I first started. Oh, uh, I, I was I was 205 uh, to 210, okay, and wow. now about 40 pounds less than that, so thank you for noticing. But I'm also oh, three yeah. inches shorter. <laughs> Me too. I'm, not, I'm the same age. You know, I'm a permanent club member, Jim, the best investment I ever made in my life. Fantastic. Anyway. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. We try hard. Uh, we got the meeting too. coming up. I work all weekend on a lot of club stuff other than when I watch my Chiefs win. But what's up? I don't know how anybody works as hard as you do, Jen. Thank well, you Well, you so sound much. like my daughters who are over. They said, Dad, <laughs> stop it already. Let's watch this society of snow. That was, a, that was right. an uplifting movie. All right. Jim, I got a quick twofer for you. I hope you don't mind. Uh, is there any price that you would think about trimming the NVIDIA? And what is your long term on Wells Fargo? Thank okay, you, I say yeah, own I it, that. don't trade NVIDIA. I think that the company's doing things that I can only dream about. I know it could have the same period like it did, but most, you know, for much of August last year to the end of the year, where it did nothing. And that's what I really want. Wells is different. Charlie Scharf is so good. By the way, he's on the board of, of Microsoft. He's a real smart guy. I think that should be bought right here, right now. And thank you for the incredibly kind comments. Uh, and boy, we got really good callers, I got to tell you. Fantastic. Anyway, let me tell you something. We're going to need something to go really wrong in order to bring out enough sellers to knock stocks down and keep them down. Of course, history says that can happen. But without huge chunks of selling because something is very awry, we're not going to have the kind of decline where you can just be able to say, oh, now it's safe. Let's go in. Man, money tonight, we've been looking at the potential in the solar space, and I've spotted one under the radar play with a huge market share that could be worth watching. And it's really cool. Then you called and you stopped me in on DigitalOcean. Tonight, I'm going to do my homework. And we've been focusing on some emerging mega trends. Tonight, I'm learning more about TT, training technology. See how the company is benefiting from decarbonization, digital transformation, and much more. So stay with 
Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. On Friday night, I told you about how the solar stocks had bottomed, especially Enphase Energy, which reported a hideous quarter last week, only to see its stocks soar. Now, see, that is a classic sign that the industry is getting ready to recover. Remember, residential solar is totally hostage to financing costs because hardly anyone pays for these systems up front. So as long as you see rates headed lower, the best stocks in this group are going to be winners. The stuff's really expensive to buy all at once. That got me thinking, though, about the entire solar space, including the steadier commercial side of the industry, which brings me to a new name that I've been hearing a lot about in recent weeks, and it's called Next Tracker, and uh, capital N-E-X-T, uh, a company that makes utility-scale solar tracker and software solutions for massive projects. It's all over the world. This thing came public just over a year ago at $24 and ended up being among the best-performing IPOs of 2023, climbing to $46.85 by the end of the year. And NextTracker hasn't slowed down at all in 2024, climbing to 58,000 change as of today. Although most of that move did come on February 1, when the stock jumped 25% in response to a blowout quarter. When I saw that run, I started doing some digging on this one. And you know what? I liked what I saw. 
Here's the basic idea. Next Tracker makes solar tracker systems that allow huge utility-scale rows of solar panels to rotate and follow the sun's movement across the sky. And that maximizes the power generation. I know niche, but niche is good because you know what? It's not always sunny in Philadelphia or anywhere else. The original innovation was a single-row tracker technology that allows each row of panels to move independently rather than all in unison. While this was once considered too expensive, Next Tracker has been able to lower its input pricing to the point where they're now much more competitive. In fact, between the improved energy generation and lower installation operating costs, their tracker systems can actually lower costs over the life of one of these massive solar fields. Over the years, Next Tracker's added additional features, self-powering systems, uh, technologies that help improve the energy yield on uneven terrain or bad weather conditions, and equipment that protects solar panels during hailstorms, which can wreck these expensive panels. True, I know, again, boutique, but real boutique. Next Tracker's now the global market share leader in the space. In the U.S., they effectively got a duopoly with a second boutique, Array Technologies. Together, the two outfits control more than 80% of our market. This U.S. business accounts for roughly two-thirds of the company's revenue, and it should get a big boost from the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which included domestic manufacturing credits for these solar trackers. According to Goldman Sachs, these credits could boost Next Tracker's earnings per share by 20 to 50 percent in 2025 fiscal year. This thing's really coming together. As for the international market, okay, it's more competitive, but these guys have the manufacturing footprint to take share all over the world, especially in emerging markets near the equator. And talk about a place for solar. Huh? But what really stands out to me is that Next Tracker stock roared last year, a period where the vast bulk of solar stocks kept getting steamrolled. The move makes more sense when you look at the earnings. Ever since it came public over a year ago, Next Tracker's delivered a series of strong quarters, with management repeatedly raising their four-year forecast. That's why the stock could hang in there for most of the year before catching fire the moment that long-term interest rates peaked in November. Once the calendar flipped in 2024, Next Tracker stock had its first big test. See, for the past nine-odd years, this company has been owned by another outfit called Flex the big outsourced electronics manufacturer. Flex still owned a majority stake in the business, even after the IPO. At the beginning of this year, though, Flex distributed its remaining interest in Next Tracker to its own shareholders, a process that can be absolutely brutal because many of the former parent companies' investors, they went out, they went to sell. That was the case here as Next Tracker pulled back from $50 in the final day of 2023 to around $40 in mid-January. But that turned out to be a phenomenal buying opportunity. Phenomenal! After bottoming in mid-January, the stock made it back to around 45 by the time the company was set to report earnings after the close on January 31st. And then Next Tracker delivered its best results since coming public. I mean, I'm talking about a monster revenue growth quarter, up 38% year-over-year, much higher than expected. On the earnings front, analysts only expected them to earn 49 cents per share. But Next Tracker nearly doubled that and were making 96 cents per share. One of the biggest blowouts of the year. For the full year, they guided for $2.53 and $2.90 a share. Wall Street was looking for buck eighty nine. Hey, by the way, in the last nine months for the forecast for the 2024 fiscal year, it's increased by 87% at the midpoint. In short, these guys are having an incredible year. I mean, just a ton of demand for the merchandise. On the conference call, Next Tracker CEO Dan Sugar, also known lovingly as Suge, explained that his excellent results were, quote, driven by exceptionally high deliveries in our U.S. business, growing 70% year-over-year. But he also called out the company's tremendous progress at expanding overseas. When management spoke about the future, they painted an incredibly optimistic picture. There are still some near-term headwinds, including some uncertainty related to trade proceedings. But these headwinds are overwhelmed by the industry's tailwinds. There's the Inflation Reduction Act benefits, the fact that solar economics are improving, and panel availability has now normalized after a few years of supply chain interruptions. Uh, There are other positives, too. 
like decreases in battery costs, which makes solar much more viable than almost every other form of energy. Because given the intermittent nature of sunshine as a power source, you need great storage technology to make it work. More important, Shugart points out that our country desperately needs more power generation capacity. Listen to this. I'm going to quote it. Over the last few years, however, energy usage has increased dramatically, driven by growth in data centers, electrification of appliances and transportation, and reindustrialization across the United States. At the same time, there's been a significant retirement of legacy power plants, end quote. The result, according to the Energy Information Administration, we're looking at a 5% annual increase in new power generation needs over the, just the next five years. Shugart believes a great deal of that will come from utility-scale solar projects. And those things need tracker systems, which will most likely come from either Next Tracker or that one other competitor I mentioned. I got to tell you, I've, I was kind of blown away by the story when I dug deep. I mean, maybe I love it. Of course, it feels like we're late to next tracker with a stock up more than 140% from the IPO in a little over a year. But look, when you consider the numbers, the stock's not expensive. It's trading just 22 times the midpoint of management's new full-year for, uh, earnings forecast. Look, on the 2025 annual assessments, it's only selling for 19 times earnings. Even after a huge run, this thing's still relatively cheap, especially considering its monster growth. I don't have many stocks like this. Let me give you the bottom line here. We're developing a short list of stocks you can use to dip out our toes back into solar. And I think the Nice Next Tracker is great option. Just great. So you got my blessing to scoop some up. Bye, bye, bye. And then you'll get more aggressive. It gets knocked down on a market-wide pullback. Although Shook might be able to stop it from coming down, at least when it comes to Next Tracker. Damn money's back in. Coming up, the market can feel as big as an ocean, so Kramer's done some work on a stumper you won't want to miss when Mad Money returns. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Two weeks ago on January 30th, we had a call from Barbara in New Jersey. We asked about a company called DigitalOcean. I said I had to get back to her. This is a company that's been loosely on our radar for the past couple of years. It's one of the best performers from the IPO class of 2021, although the stock still plummeted to 85% from its highs in November 2021 to its lows in November of last year. Now, I am tempted by this one, though, because DigitalOcean is a cloud infrastructure play, kind of like Amazon Web Services or Microsoft's Azure, but with a focus on SMB, small and medium-sized businesses. Their core pitch is that the big boys in the space design their systems for larger enterprise customers, meaning they're not ideal for smaller operators. Now, I wouldn't give this one a second look, but the stock's now doubled from its lows last November, along with the rest of the cloud cohort. So is this part of a larger move, or is this simply an opportunity for trap longs to get out at a better price? Why don't we start with the numbers, which are actually pretty impressive. For 2023, they're looking at roughly 20% revenue growth year over year, which is a bit of a slowdown from what they've been doing, even as many other companies, of course, would kill for 20% growth. More important, DigitalOcean has been profitable since coming public, making it very unusual for an IPO from the class of 2021. They're talking about earning roughly $1.53 per share for 2023. We're still waiting on the fourth quarter. But if they hit that, tr- that number, it shows it's a 64% growth. 
the company swelling off a ton of cash flow, too. Now, these numbers are, frankly, great. When you look at the headline results, it's odd that the stock spent so much of last year getting clobbered because they never stopped reporting strong results. But the headline numbers don't tell you everything. And there's been some noise to the story, some would say some bad hair, that you need to know about. The issue can be seen in the evolution of DigitalOcean's full-year 2023 guidance over the course of the past year. So here's what happened. DigitalOcean's initial 2023 outlook delivered in February of last year was slightly below expectations on the top line, but all the earnings and cash flow lines were well above expectations, so it was received positively. Then the company was able to maintain its momentum through the first quarter report in May. In fact, they raised their full-year earnings guidance at the time. The stock continued to rally throughout the summer and even gapped up in July when DigitalOcean announced it was paying $111 million to buy a company called Papersource, which offers cloud infrastructure for scalable applications using graphics cards. This seemed like a defensive move, a way to get some artificial intelligence exposure, but the stock kept climbing, and by mid-July, it was up over 100% year-to-date. Then DigitalOcean reported its second quarter in August, and this was a Big negative catalyst. Long story short, the company announced an AK filing and said it found mistakes. In its previous quarterly report related to income tax accounting, because of those errors, management said they couldn't report any net income numbers for the second quarter. While management did issue guidance for the third quarter and the full year, those numbers didn't include any formulation of earnings. Worse, that new full year forecast included a lower revenue outlook with DigitalOcean citing, quote, weaker than anticipated cohort growth, end quote, for the shortfall. In response, the stock plummeted nearly 25 percent in a single session. Now, those accounting issues, they were resolved pretty quickly, only took a little over a week. But the new full-year earnings guidance was dramatically lower than previously forecasted. Problem solved? The house of pain. Wrong. Less than two weeks after that, we got another surprise. DigitalOcean announced a leadership transition, saying it would search for a new CEO, through, uh, though the now former CEO, Yancey Spruill, wouldn't remain in a place until they found a successor. They also appointed a new executive chairman. Given all of this uncertainty, DigitalOcean became a very easy stock to sell. And many people did. The stock sunk lower and lower and lower throughout August, September, October. By the time it finally bottomed, it was down nearly 63% from its July highs because of these problems. Then things started getting better again when DigitalOcean reported third quarter results on November 2nd. This forgiving market, the numbers were better. The company delivered a top and bottom line beat while raising its full-year forecast once again. And then the stock jumped 25% over the next two days. And it's continued climbing through the rest of 2023. Along the way, DigitalOcean picked up some additional analyst support with Goldman Sachs giving it what's known as a coveted double upgrade from sell to buy in December. That was really positive. Sell, 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 buy, buy. Oppenheimer named it a top pick for 2024. Both firms talked about the potential scale of the AI opportunity here. Last month, DigitalOcean's messy leadership transition was finally resolved with the company bringing in Patty Srinivasan. He's the former uh, CEO of GoTo, a, a cloud of, uh, communications company and IT management, as his next CEO. Before GoTo, he had a ton of experience at Amazon as general manager for data ma- machine learning, uh, platform services, and Alexa AI. Exactly what DigitalOcean needs. Hey, by the way, today was the new CEO's first day on the job. Kind of interesting. So what do we do now? I'm sorry to say it, but I'm punting on DigitalOcean, at least for now. Look at the numbers alone, the stock's a clear buy. And I, I very much like the idea of a cloud vendor for small businesses. But speaking of numbers, the accounting issue last year, to me, it's, it's the kind of, it's, it's a red flag. 
uh, even as mostly seems behind them at this point, I'd like to see a few more quarters. I, look, it's fine to do this of clean financials before giving DigitalOcean my endorsement. I'm also worried that a $3.4 billion company like DigitalOcean might ultimately struggle to compete with the likes of Amazon, Outfit, Microsoft, and Oracle. These outfits are going to be spending tens of billions of dollars on GPUs from NVIDIA, all the other sorts of AI hardware. How do you compete with that? So for now, i got to withhold judgment. But DigitalOcean reports again next Wednesday, and the stock's coming in hot, up more than 100% over the past three months. This is the new CEO's first report, and if he's smart, he'll throw out some low-ball guidance that he knows he can beat. That could be the chance, under-promise, over-deliver. But if he does issue a conservative forecast, the stock gets crushed, and then maybe we relook at things. Bottom line, even if you like DigitalOcean, and there is a lot to like about this one, there's too much uncertainty here for my taste, and I don't like the risk-reward ahead of next week's earnings report. Just wait to learn more. Oh, and Mr. Srinivasan, please, once you get your feet wet, feel comfortable in the CEO role, come visit us here at Mad Money and tell our audience directly why your stock is a buy. Let's go to Gregory in California, please. Gregory. Well, good day to you, sir. Same uh, to I'm you. Happy with the uh, Super Bowl uh, event. Well, I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan because of Coach Andy Reid, he's my guy. I love him. What, how can I help you? I'm calling as, uh, as you know, a loyal club member. I've followed you for uh, a long time now, Jim. I'm Thank hoping you. that this will not only show that I'm paying attention as a club member to all of the, the guidelines you set out for us, but this might be the kind of call you might make um, on your own. This company's traded sideways for a while, and then last week on their earnings report, they just skyrocketed over 30%. It's a software company that manages large data streaming from its platform. Uh, it's got some comp- competition out there, but it seems to be the cream of the crop right now. So it's pulled back uh, over the last couple of days, and I'm just wondering if this might be the kind of consolidation that would allow for us to get in, and the stock is confluent. Oh, wow. Okay, well, first, Gregory, thank you for those kind words, and you're absolutely right. It's one that we, keep, we talk about a lot. Confluent is, it's the right price. It's really interesting. And I say, yeah, buy some right here. And thank you for the kind words about the club. Let's go to Richard in Georgia. Richard! Hey, Jim. Thank you so much for caring, and booyah. Booyah back at you. What's going on? I'm a longtime loyalist to you, Jim. Watch you for, for a long time and a charter member of the investment. Club. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. My question is on Avgo, but generally it applies to any stock that you've got profits on, and it may have too much exposure as a percentage uh, in your overall portfolio uh, than you want in a single holding. So let me give some really quick brief background. I bought an Avgo in the money lease of 570 on 119.23. It was a call um, on December 10th, uh, 2000. On December 10, 2021, I paid $12,000, $4,120. I closed that position in January of this past year. In late August and September, when I was not sure exactly what I was going to do with the option and feeling bullish on Avgo, I decided to purchase some shares on a dollar-cost average basis and bought about 80 shares, ranging from $812 to $860. Well, look, I remember when we bought it. I remember we bought it twice. Uh, I had just had that nasty hernia operation, a lot of debt, a lot of information you don't need there. Uh, but uh, I, I said, bye, bye, bye. It was right. You've done the right thing. You're a loyal club member. Stock's up almost 50% since then, and I want you to hold on to it because it sells at only 27 times earnings. All right, now there's a lot to like about DigitalOcean, but right now it's a little too much. 
A little uncertainty for my taste. Uh, there's so many stocks that I like a little bit more. Let's see what the quarter has, and then maybe you can get in our good side. Because the risk reward right now ahead of earnings just doesn't seem that good. Now, there is much more made money at all. Oh, special company, Train Technologies, painted a rosy outlook for 2024, which is investors excited about what's to come. And I'm learning exactly what we should be looking forward to with the CEO. Then GOP-1s continue to recap on a host of sectors. I'm sharing what you should make of the stocks that are caught in the crosshairs. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Like many, if you're worried the stock market's gotten overheated, remember what's been fueling this run? It's great earnings, not momentum. Take Train Technologies, a major player in the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning space with a refrigeration kicker. Earlier this month, Train reported a tremendous quarter, management highlighting that the company's riding multiple mega trends, such as energy efficiency, decarbonization, digital transformation, and seeing strength in some key end markets like data centers, education, K-12, healthcare. Stock jumped more than 7% in response, hitting all-time high. It's pulled back a little bit since then. Maybe that's the opportunity. Or some people might think it's time to ring the register. Uh, after monster moved from the lows last October, maybe the stock has more room to run. Let's check in with Dave Rignier. He's the chairman and CEO of technolo- Train Technology. Get a better look. Dave, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me all back right. on okay, the so show. Dave, I'm really appreciate you. it. I, I told people today that you're on. And I'm all excited about your <sighs> business. And I also showed them the chart. But I showed them the chart first. And they said, which tech stock? And I said, Train Tech. I mean, the fact is, you are a technology company, and HVAC is kind of like in The Graduate when the guy talked about plastics. How did this get to be so exciting? Well, we're super proud of our company, and I tell you, we had a fantastic 2023, Jim. Our our organic revenue growth was up 9%. Our earnings per share was up uh, 23%. And by the way, Jim, that's the third consecutive year that we've had EPS growth of 20% or greater. Third consecutive year. Okay, but in in the end... Your business used to be tied to this to the cycle, the so-called business cycle. That's it's just not a. I can't see any connection to it now. Yeah, I always tell people it's a system of things that makes Train Technologies a great company. Okay. And you certainly have the mega trends that around decarbonization right. and the fact that 15% of all greenhouse gases from heating and cooling of buildings, and the fact that we've been able to invent a different way than what was done in the past, which is significantly more efficient. But it it is a system of things that makes us a great company, whether it's our service business, which is roughly a third of our company, whether it's our direct sales force. We love our direct sales force. We love talking to customers. We love understanding what their needs are today and what their needs will be tomorrow. It's it's it really how we innovate for products. We put out over 100 new products in 2023. But really, one of the things that differentiates us as Train Technologies is the culture we've been able to create. It's really about having an uplifting, inclusive culture that really has a can-do attitude to it. Okay, so explain to people, it wasn't always Train. You always, you're always part of a bigger company. You, it, was the culture always there and buried? Uh, it was, but I think over the last three years, it's certainly been enhanced a lot. And we've worked, I worked as the CEO a lot to develop our culture, and it really has to do with our employee engagements, how we recruit our talent, how we develop our talent. We have apprenticeship programs for our hourly associates now. We transitioned from, we used to have, I'll give you a great example, we used to have a, a tuition reimbursement program. We changed that to a tuition advancement program. Because a lot of people can't afford the upfront right. funds. Right. 
So now with an advancement program, especially with some of our hour associates, they have the opportunity to learn a new skill, which is going to make them stronger, which is going to make us stronger how, as a company. How many of those people stay with you after they graduate? There's a lot of loyalty, as you would imagine, as, as they become part of the train family and they advance in, in the company. And, and it's one of those things that the culture is really what differentiates us as a company. And companies, can, over time, they can copy your products, they can copy right. your services. Culture, very difficult to, to copy. Okay, now you have several, you have residential, you have commercial. People here commercially say, oh my God, well, commercial real estate, awful. But it's not, that's not the kind of commercial you have. Yeah, we play in the commercial vertical. It, uh, it was a weaker year in 2023. Right. It'll probably be a, a similar year we'll see in 2024. But verticals such as data centers right. or electronics, the chips, Area. Think about um, education, the education vertical with ESSER funding. Right. Healthcare, very, very strong verticals. In our applied systems with our direct sales force, we're able to meet with the end customers. These are mostly bespoke systems, so they're highly engineered. Our sales force is highly technical, and they're able to sell to the customer at a different level. Okay, so when I look at the uh, one other division we got to mention, because it is the best of the best, Thermo King. But there were a lot of orders before, and then you have a kind of a drop-off. But that is natural. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is a more cyclical business right, than we've seen in our, in our commercial HVAC business, for sure. But I would say, look, our, if you look at our results on a global basis, our, our Thermal King business in 2023 was flat. Uh, markets right. were down probably mid-single digits, so I know we outperformed the markets. Uh, 2024 will be uh, another year where we'll have revenues that will be down. I think the Americas, the market's going to be down 10%. We'll do better. The markets in EMEA will be down probably in the mid-single digits. Again, we'll do better than that. But the key here, Jim, is we continue to invest in the business. Even though things may be down a little, this is the time we need to double down on investments and make sure we're ready as this market comes back. The good news is in 2025, all forecasts have this market coming back strongly. All right, so what on this thing? Uh, you look at the arc of your career. Did you ever think that this was that you would become uh, at the vanguard of decarbonization and making it so that we have a safer planet for our kids and our grandkids? Was that ever in the equation? Yeah, you know, Jim. As I got into more senior roles at Train Technology, Ingersoll Rand transitioned to Train Technologies. It became so relevant that we had the opportunity because of where we play and how we could have an impact. And again, 15% of all greenhouse gas is from heating and right. cooling. Another 10% is from food waste, mostly by how that food is being transported. So we had the opportunity within 25% of all greenhouse gas to have an impact. And we had this crazy vision, you know, three and a half, four years ago that said, look, one company can influence an industry, and that industry could have an Im impact on the world. And that's what we're seeing today. Well, I, I, it's a magnificent job you've done. I mean, it really is. And the stock has kept up with what you've accomplished. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank Dave, you. Appreciate it. Dave Rignieri is the chairman and CEO of Train Technologies, TT. Look, those of you who are charters, take a look at this one. You won't believe it. And those of you who are fundamentalists, read about it because the orders, the business, the earnings, they're all there. That money's back in. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Over the lightning round, Kramer. Let's start with Jeff in Kentucky. Jeff. Happy Monday, Mr. Kramer. Hope you All had right. a great birthday weekend. Best in show. What's going on? Well, not too much. Hey, I'm a long-time club member. Enjoy you and 
Jeff every morning and appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you. Jeff's the best, man. He was, oh, he was booking today. What's happening? Yeah, I, I'd like to know what you think of Vertiv Holdings. One of the great VRT. performers of our time. It really is all the guts of the data center. Ooh, and yeah. let's remember who the chairman is, Dave Cody. By the way, last year that stock was the best performer. If it had been in the S&P, it would have been the number one performer. And it's already up 27%. And I'm not even walking away from it. I, now I need to go to Bill. It matches Bill. Oh, yeah, Mr. Kramer. How oh, yeah, are Bill. You? I'm good. How about you? I'm coming to the meeting. I'm a member. That's a benefit of being a member. And we're going to have time. We'll get some pictures. We'll do some talking. Ask some questions. I love it. That's what I do. I'll probably stay till midnight. I don't know about you. What's happening? I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm coming from Boston just to see you, my man. Well, I hope I do a good job for you. I, I you, Your club has done so good for me. I can't talk about it enough. I tell all my friends, Holy everybody cow. I know. It's well, thank you, man. Join you be your club. Thank you. And Jeff does a great job. Zeb's great. Let's go to work together. Jeff, you know what? When he did it himself, I couldn't believe it. He did a great job. Oh, no, he's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Well, let's go to work. Okay, let's go to work. Uh, General Dynamics. I picked some up in May. I checked in with you. You you gave it a thumbs up. It was a great call. It's up to 270. Oh, I like that CEO. It's just terrific. I think you stick with the thing. I really do. Because, you know, it's not expensive at all. And, well, I mean, like to say that we don't have problems overseas. I mean, come on. Jen died. Way to go. And thank you for those comments. Holy cow, I'm flying and high as a kite here. Let's go to uh, Tossin. Tossin in New York. Tossin. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, Jim, I would like to ask you about the C3 AI Oh, well, that's Tom Siebel. I happen to like Tom. I don't see any earnings there, so you know, sir, I can't recommend a stock that has no earnings. Uh, Tom Siebel is a bankable guy. I've known him for 30 years, but I don't really like that any situation that does not make money. Let's go to Paul in Virginia. Paul. Ba-ba-ba-booyah, Jim. Wow, fired up. You come in hot. What's up? Yes, sir, man. Just wanted to comment and thank you on your level of passion you bring to the stock markets on a daily basis. Really second to none, sir. Well, I like that. That's what I try to do. I mean, I get all fired up. I got a 3.30 in the morning today. I was tweeting and stuff. What the heck? What's going on? Me too. What are your thoughts on the GLP-1 biotech stock who recently released seller 48-week phase 2 trial data on their weight loss drug, Pembendutide? I think... But what uh, really you know, gets my attention is the valuation gap between its competitors, Viking Therapeutics at $3 billion and the Carmont deal at $3.1 billion. I'm calling about Altimune. ALT. I know. I mean, they you know, look, it does seem like they have something, 20, 20% weight loss. We have to see if they can make it en masse. Right now, what happens is Lily's got such a giant lead, and so does Novo Nordisk. But, you know, you may have something. I mean, maybe somebody buys them. I don't know. Uh, I, look, it's a good spec, but that's what it is. It's a spec, okay? I need to go to Ron in Nebraska. Ron! Booyah, Jimmy Jim. Booyah, Chief. What's happening? From Omaha, Nebraska, where uh, the College World Series in Omaha State. There you go. That's what I'm always thinking. Been there with, yeah. with my late dad, Ma. We had the best time in the world in Omaha. We didn't get any further than that because my dad said, this is about as far as we're going to go. And then we turned around, but it was dynamite. What's going on? <laughs> All right. Uh, affirm. 
A firm holdings. AF. Okay, you got a winner with a firm. Levchin is constantly underrated. I, you know, people just don't understand. The guy has got passion. He comes to play every day, and they over, you know, they keep thinking he's going to bust. They're wrong. I want to go to Melissa in Texas. Melissa. Hi, Jim. Hi, Melissa. I want to thank you for becoming one of my most valuable assets. You have changed my life in investing and securing a future. Well, thank you. How can I help you? Well, I kind of did, but I mean, you know. Thank you. uh, Thank you from working class and middle class families of America. Yes. I am interested in the the stock D-A-R, you know, Darling is a really interesting company, but the stock keeps going down. I'm gonna, I, it, it's too inexpensive to go. I'm going to leave it like that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, the wave of weight loss drugs continues to crest, making sense of the sectors that could be in for some belt tightening. Next. Someone's trying to lose weight, aren't they? I mean, people are taking these newfound weight loss drugs, the GLP-1 class has captivated so many investors. A lot of really numbers just for Monjaro and Setbound, the former for diabetes, the latter for the same drug brand, but it's the same drug but it's branded for weight loss, show a very quick uptake. But it could be so fast. Is it already changing our eating habits dramatically, or is it making no difference? So far, the food companies have said they're monitoring the situation, but the consumer behavior hasn't shifted in response to GOP ones. They're all saying that. It's like no one has even started on these drugs, but the numbers are too huge for it not to be impacted behaviors. There are other patterns that are jiving with the GOP one weight loss thesis. For example, today Bloomberg published a story headlined, Jim's face tough year as key January growth screeches to a halt. That's bad news for the stocks of exponential fitness and planet fitness because January is the money month when people make their New Year's resolutions and sign up for gyms to try to get in shape. This January, Bloomberg says foot traffic at the 10 largest gym chains was flat year over year. Not good when we're used to seeing 40% growth in the signups during this key month. The stock of planet fitness has been very weak, down 14 points from its 52-week high of 84, but not as bad as exponential fitness, which is down 22 bucks from, uh, from its high of 33. Now, some of that decline may be because Planet Fitness attempted to raise prices and had to roll it back. So are some of the people who used to go to the gym now simply taking the GLP-1 drugs? That could be, right? The core of doctors who work with GLP-1 patients recognize that diet and exercise has failed to work for many Americans, which is why they're getting these weight loss shots in the first place. However, many do go to the gym after making a resolution to get stronger or feel better or meet people. They shouldn't be impacted. But the variables here are just so immense. Again, no food companies willing to admit that their sales are weaker because of the GOP dash ones. They are collectively monitoring the situation, which is pretty much the house scripted line we hear from everybody. However, PepsiCo did admit that their snack business is suffering. But not from GOP dash one. They said oh, waning work from home is cut into the bigger bags of uh, Doritos being bought. You got to wonder how much of what happened to PepsiCo is like the failed Planet Fitness price increase, a sign the customers revolted over higher prices. Hey, look, when you have the president of the United States calling for rollbacks of ice cream, shrinkflation, among other kinds of food, where the box has gotten smaller at the same time they're raising prices, I mean, that's still one more variable. Oh, and why not throw in the decline in liquor, something that could be because people are switching to cannabis in states where it's legal, or maybe it's response to endless price increases for booze or because it makes you so fat. In the end, we just don't know what's the impact of the GOP1 jet versus everything else. However, 
I think you're fooling yourself if you think these drugs didn't play some sort of role. I refuse to believe that Casamigos, formerly the best-selling tequila at Bar San Miguel, my old restaurant in Brooklyn, could be down 14% year over year, according to Diageo. Purely on its own, I think they're suppressing a great deal of what we see, and we're only at the beginning of this megatrend. Long story short, stay away from these food and beverage stocks, please, because there will be a day, that day will come, when one of them finally admits that they've been hurt by the GOP dash once, and that will take down every stock in the group. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis, but Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.